Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley, and we appreciate you being with us. Hope everyone had great success uh, for first rifle, and actually today opens second rifle. So uh, and those of us who didn't are in counseling. Yes, we are. Uh, uh, my yeah. appointment is tomorrow for <laughs> my therapy. <laughs> Man, I was, uh, don't you hate when you know something and you go against what you know and what you should the do? The fundamentals. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But we all do it, yeah. and it's just, I mean, I'm glad I didn't miss. Yeah. You know, I didn't take right. a shot because I right. passed. We saw one very early in first rifle. Thought I'd see a better one. So I'm glad I didn't miss because that's a real sick feeling. But either way, thank I, God I didn't miss. I don't know if it helps in the counseling <laughs> process or not. But right, right. I tell everyone, including myself, you can't eat the antlers. So at the end of the day, you're filling the freezer. So yep, Absolutely. Do you already have one mounted in your home? Yes, yes I have really Okay, nice. so, you, no. so, yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think if I've got this one mounted, it'll be on my side of the bed. Yeah, because I ain't got much room, do I, David? Yeah. No, you do not. Uh, let me introduce the voices that you're hearing. Uh, David Fields with us. David's a friend of mine from Florida, and David was on our hunt. We just finished up in Kremling with Bear Mountain Outfitters. And also Lisa Thompson, Donnell Johnson joins us from Hunt Data, Hunting Divas. What else? Y'all got Let's Step Up, Step Out. Mossy Oak, Mossy Bass Pro. Oak, Cabela's, Bass Pro yeah. All that. So, uh, Those people. So uh, we'll talk about our hunt in a minute. What's your last month been like, ladies? I'm in counseling. I, I'll stick with that. <laughs> you know, our archery was tough because our unit, like 80% of my honey holes were in that Silver Creek fire. Yep. And so I actually went in after they thought they had it under control, put up a camera, called in two cow elk while I was in there. But, of course, I'm looking for the bull. Um, and then they closed it because the fire got out of control again. I, like the place we were staying, our fire alarms were going off at night. So we were breathing smoke. Was that right? 27? Mm -hmm. that yeah. Mm -hmm. 27, yeah. Because yeah. first and second rifle, we had, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name on uh, from there, but Lyle uh, with the CPW, and they were giving back, you know, refunds and all Yeah, the tags when the place for first and second yeah. rifle, because 40% of it was not accessible, and 70% of your public access was restricted. So, right, yeah. right. In fact, we, we actually got one bull in our crowd, and then after that, it got closed down. So. Okay. Um, it was cha the conditions were changing every day, so it was very, very hard. And then I had a New Mexico tag. Lisa helped me with that as well. And we did get into the elk, but it was a drought year down there, so half the water holes were dried up. And, and so it was a really tough area, but we actually, everybody else was whining, but we actually got into elk the last two days. So I felt fortunate to have at least found them and got into them in what they considered one of the hardest units in New Mexico and a drought year, and it was almost impossible. So... Um, I like I said I it went, Wayne and I walked up on a bull. He did a call, stopped it for me at 40 yards. I could have shot him with my bow if there wouldn't have been a bunch of junk in between, but there was all this scrub oak. But um, anyway, it was still fun to me. I got the rush of it all, and and uh, I didn't bring home any meat, but had a great time. <laughs> so so what's you guys' strategy on timing? Let's take archery hunting. Uh, you guys getting out half hour before sunrise, an uh, hour before getting set up. I mean. Man, Talk about we, your strategy there. The earlier you can be out, the better. I mean, we're usually walking within an hour of dark and then trying to be a place, um, usually uh, elk concentration, because we use the hunt data maps. 
And um, we're trying to get into a concentration of where we want to be at first light. Because a lot of times, you know, they're nocturnal anyway, and you're probably hearing, hopefully, if hearing some bugles and that sort of thing. We ran into some archery hunters, um, kind of uh, new archery hunters, and they've been going to the area probably four or five years, and they have never heard a bugle in that area. And I asked them, why are they still in that area? And I said, if you're not hearing a bugle, even at night at dark, they're not here. Now, they had just came back from a hunt. They walked four miles, and it was into a concentration, and they, they saw a, an elk. So I was just, I, we showed them some maps and stuff, and they had no idea. But, of course, they set up such a big camp. Just to move the camp is impossible. But hopefully some of the, um, again, if you're not hearing them at night, because they are, they're pretty nocturnal um, sure. during um, archery season, I think that... Um, if you can get in there and get on them before they go bed down because they've been, you know, carousing all night with their girls, um, I think you're good. That's, that's what we're trying to do because we know right when the first light comes, they're going to try to go into the dark timber usually and go bed down. So we're trying to head that off. So if you don't get in there and play the game with them, you're going to kind of miss it and have to wait all day for them to come out. And then they seem to come out right before dark, and it's hard to even put a strategy together because the light, you lose it so quickly. Sure. And I realize different days different situations, different weather may dictate um, different things that you do. But so many people, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, the unseen thing, they go in, go back out at 3. You know, but a lot of elk are killed between 10 and noon, too. So. Lisa's big bull muzzleloader, we sh she shot at 1.30 in the afternoon. And it was literally the two days before we had hunted so hard, we were just worn out. We are like, we're sleeping in tomorrow. We're going to have a big breakfast. We got up on the mountain, threw out a call, and got a bugle back. He was in his bed, and he had a bunch of cows with him. A couple satellite bulls, but we got him going, and we were both cow calling and estrus calling and bugling. And we, we will stick more to cow calls. We usually use the bugles more to locate because we did one of the things we saw this year because we were part of a, a hunt with Wayne Carlton and Pete Shepley, uh, the maker of PSE bows. But we were actually down on a private ranch in southern Colorado, and what we were finding with the bigger bugles, that, that bull would r round up his cows and get out every time, every time. Hmm. So um, uh, time versus. and time again, and it didn't matter if it was a big bugle, if it was a bugle right. and we would literally watch him round his cows up and he would bugle, but he would round them and say, they have certain bugles too, that the cows know. I, if you don't believe it, watch cows feed. And when that bull bugles and he could have 30 cows, it's crazy, but they all stop at, and they just know, let's go. And, and, and we even saw a bull like he he'll run and he'll run his cow down and just he'll take his antlers oh, yeah. and push her and yeah. and yeah so we found we're like you know and you do have Wayne in your back pocket who's an amazing big bugler we're like yeah and he does he has a smaller tube and he has a big tube and he he converted to the smaller tube but um, you you just have to know when to use what but the big bugle is more for me in the wind when I'm just trying to get the way out there but I rarely want to use that big bugle because yeah. It depends if you're on public or private, though. We were on a private land with this hunt, and there's so much competition down there. The, it's known for elk. It's known for bulls. It's known for cows. And they know, they've been, these bulls have been around a while. They know if they don't grab the cows they have and get out of there, they're going to lose them. And the reason, um, after we were seeing this time and time again, I went to the rancher and I said, so can I ask you a question? No problem. And I said, when they're getting harvested first, second, and third rifle season, are you seeing a lot of bulls broke off where their antlers are broken? He said, no. He said, you know, I mean, occasionally, but no. So that tells me right there they're not fighting a ton. 
and that's a, an example. If you go on public land, some places every bull comes in is broke off because they're fighting to whatever just to get a cow. Sure. But there is so much competition down where we were hunting on the private land with all different elk herds. They're just happy to get five cows, ten cows, and they're out of there. So it just took us some time to figure that out. Right. Well, as I mentioned, David Fields in studio with me. David's a friend of mine, and um, we just got back from uh, Kremling and uh, Bear Mountain Outfitters. I want to thank Brad and his wife, Kelly, for uh, having us out there. Met a lot of nice people in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, and uh, some good folks there. And Texas, so that's good. Well, David, this was your first um, guided type of hunt for elk very successful hunt which so, is fantastic and but i've got to say that danielle uh, congratulations on the new mexico tag because we initially i was trying to draw a tag for there and i guess an out of state your odds are so seven percent so we failed on that and and uh luckily with uh scott's help was able to get up to uh bear mountain outfitters and uh boy just gorgeous country great people and uh and uh, for the whole time up there you know being fairly knew it uh elk hunting being out east and i was even telling the guys that you guys don't realize what a big treat it is one i mean to to get an elk is unbelievable but to even hear them calling i mean you, you guys may take it for granted you know hearing the bugling and all that no type i of don't stuff. I, I get chills every right. time <laughs> yeah but you come from out east and uh, you're not used to it, but you just hear about it and then you finally get to be in it and you're in that country and you hear it and you know they're just over the uh, ridge or whatever it is just unbelievably exciting which is the whole the whole hunt was like that now the weather you know, the weather was up and down. So the weather, that's an element that was freezing. Adds a Sunday, it was zero uh, before the wind chill. And we were about 9,500 feet, whatever. And I mean, and they say it yeah. feels like miserable. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're like, man, I made a conscious decision to be sitting on this mountain. And if you're coming from Florida where your blood has thinned out a whole lot, yeah. now you're coming to this and you're wondering, what have I done? But boy, it warmed up on the, a couple of days and it made it really, really nice hunting. Mm. But the, uh, the whole thing was just, you know, just how you would. Or for me, anyways, just how you would hope it would be. But the whole time you're, you know, in my case, anyways, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, Lord, you know, if, if you, you know, I, I know it's up to you, but if you happen to, you know, feel like you want to push something my way, I'm, I'm in with you. Can you and pray for me next year? I, was, I <laughs> just saying. But the, uh, the crazy thing in my situation was uh, we were joking about because it's a five-day hunt. You know, so day one, a couple of people get in me like, oh, I'm next. You know, this is, you know, we've seen some that first of night that we got there. And then uh, the first day, you know, one or two people, I think, knock something down the first day. It's like, oh, this is going to be great. No problem. Day three, day four comes around. And, you know, you're starting to you know, still got a grin on your face because you just love where you're at and love what you're doing. But uh, you're starting to get a little leery about, is this going to happen? And then finally, day five comes. And day five in the morning comes and it goes. And you may see something or may not or maybe on the ridge that you chase them and you never end up finding them again. So then it's finally... You know, you're in overtime at this point, and you're throwing a Hail Mary, and I just, I think I just, you know, lucked out on the Hail Mary throw in overtime at the end of the game, and uh, it was just an uh, unbelievable feeling. The whole, you know, a nice uh, a nice bull, and and he was an acrobatic bull, as we found out once we took the shot, and he started tumbles or somersaulting down the, uh, down the mountain. <laughs> it was... Uh, you know, and then that was whenever the fun, as, as the guides would say, that's when the, the fun over. really, yeah, that's when the fun <laughs> and the work starts, starts. Yeah. Okay. because it's just a thrill just trying to keep them up the mountain as they're trying to clean them. Were you them. just amazed how big they are when they're on the ground? Isn't it amazing? It was, and actually, you know, what was really amazing too was to watch something that big somersault down the mountain. That was, you know, got an idea of, my gosh, those things are just humongous. Yeah, and then you get out on the ground and you realize how big they are and 
But then you start thinking about how agile they are for that size and how they can move. And even if you got the antlers that are that wide and these things can move through the uh, they move through the trees amazingly. And, yeah. I don't. I don't know. Do they? You know, they, they, they be, do. They tilt their head. Yeah. They the do, time. And, and actually, their They'll antlers pull. will move with them as they go. I mean, they'll just—they have give, although we don't think they do. Okay. Because I've literally watched them go through trees like this, bulls, and the antlers. I mean, they just drag them through, and they—they've got some flex. They are because they're made out of blood. Okay. It's hardened huh. blood, and so that's—they drop them every year, and that's why they bleed, and that's why when they have the velvet on, they bleed Which, and stuff. Yeah. To me, is an amazing thing. Any of the antler or any of the. Uh, animals that shed every year to grow those things back in that amount of time is yep. incredible and then you have your goats and your sheep that are made out of hair and um, their horns are made out of hair and they um, they just grow each year mm -hmm. and so um, antlers are made out of blood it's pretty cool yeah antler versus a horn yeah well and we found uh, three sheds in New Mexico mm -hmm. so Sarah found a four I found a five and we were going out that night and I said to Wayne you need to find a six and he found a huge six I'm like uh, wish I just said I would have shot a six or right. something like that it is amazing that we don't see more in it I mean you guys have covered a lot of well uh, there's a lot we of shed hunters we it's a very with with shorty on Saturday we did 16 miles like you'd think we'd see it's a very competitive thing though post. I'm like, yeah you guys have she almost mind. killed me this time 2600 vertical feet I think but shed hunting is a big big deal out there now and people they're paying a lot of money for sheds because of the dog bones and all the things they're right. using so you would be amazed how many people have already hit it in the spring and that's probably why you're not seeing as much and a lot of people do it on horseback yeah we happen to find yeah the guide as we were trucking along someplace happened to find find a shed at some point which was really cool and then of course he handed it back to me i was like that's great what do you want to what do you want me to do with it you know where's <laughs> the rest of them where's the rest of matt <laughs> yeah. now we actually teach a class at bass and and cabela's on just what what the ladies can do with that and make a shed men can too but mm -hmm. there are a lot of fun things to do with it sure so. yeah you never have to shoot an animal if that's what not what you want to do and they lay on the ground you can get some exercise and find them for free right it's, it's really interesting too even finding out that the animals eat those i had a uh, you know being out west we do a lot of um i mean out east we do a lot of uh, whitetail hunting and so i had a friend that got a nice buck and uh left it on the uh, on the porch kind of on the railing outside and it's a it's a fenced in property right you know like you would have for a dog type fence and uh, get up the next morning, comes in the house, all right, who's, who's joking around? Who stole my antlers? And uh, some critter had popped over the fence and taken a nice uh, nice eight point off of a, so we all learned. <laughs> my lab learns them. Well, yeah, it's Morrow in there, so that's why every squirrel and every rodent, like when you don't Raccoon pick them up right away, yeah, they're all chewed up or whatever. And, and my, our dogs love them because it's that middle Morrow stuff that's uh, in the middle of them. So it's that dried blood that's, that's just awesome. So right. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado. David Field is with us. We're going to talk a little bit more about our hunt with uh, Brad Probst and uh, Bear Mountain Outfitters, Lisa Thompson, Donnell Johnson. Also, when we come back, we're going to talk about hunt data maps. Um, I was just showing David uh, a couple of samples here. So we're going to go through hunt data maps and where you can find them. Also want to mention Wayne Carlton is going to be with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you have just been in an accident, there is a lot going on. With the screeching tires, crunching metal, and breaking glass, it's hard to remember what to do. That's why Kevin Flesh of Fleshlaw wants you to remember to panic. No, he doesn't mean run around screaming or start hyperventilating. He means use the acronym P. 
A-N-I-C to remember what to do. P is for police. Call the police immediately. It's very important to have an official record of what happened. A is assess, as in assess all of your injuries and seek medical care if necessary. N is for never admit fault. It's your job to take care of yourself, not to determine who is at fault. I is for insurance. Take pictures of the other person's insurance and ID info and get pictures of the accident if you can. And finally, C is for call Kevin Flesh. Kevin Flesh is more than just a name used to intimidate the insurance companies. He will help you. If you've been injured in an accident, call Flesh Law at 303-806-8886 for a free consultation, and he'll help you get the compensation that you deserve. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Now, many times you hear your radio host like me say something like, let me tell you about my friends at... Then we'll talk about a sponsor that we truly believe in and endorse. Well, in this case, let me tell you about a company that really is part of my family, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. For over 13 years, we have trusted our furry family members to this wonderful staff. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe that all pets deserve to have a good life, and their goal is to help you keep your pets happy and healthy throughout their life by providing complete pet care services every day all at one location. We love the Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center boarding lodge, and your pet will too. Your pet will receive one-on-one care and attention throughout their stay. Open seven days a week for your convenience. Check them out. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, located at 8681 Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. 303-708-8050. 303-708-8050. Or check them out online at LoneTreeVet.com. Hi, this is Kevin Trisna, owner of M4 Roofing and Gutters. Since 2004, it's been our mission to provide the highest quality of service and trust to every customer we serve. M4 Roofing and Gutters is a family-owned and operated company right here in Englewood, Colorado. At M4 Roofing and Gutters, quality customer service is our top priority. For a free inspection and estimate for your roofing project, Call today, 303-797-8600. That's 303-797-8600. Or visit us online at m4roofing.com. M4 Roofing and Gutters is an A-plus member of the Better Business Bureau and haystackhelp.com. Let me tell you about one of my favorite stores, The Outdoorsman's Attic, a consignment store for all of your adventure outdoor gear. Hunting, fishing, camping, kayaks, live bait, survival gear, backpacks, sleeping bags, firearms, and ammo. Save 20, 30, 40, and even 50% on new and pre-owned items at The Outdoorsman's Attic. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and save up to 20% on your purchase. This offer excludes firearms and ammo. Never pay retail again. Big savings and friendly service is what you'll find at the Outdoorsman's Attic. Located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Check them out, outdoorsmansattic.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560.
Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. If you're just joining us, my name is Scott Watley, and we appreciate you being with us. As mentioned earlier, Donnell Johnson, Lisa Thompson in studio, and a friend of mine, David Fields, as we returned from our first rifle season in Kremling. We'll talk more about that and uh, catch up some more on uh, ladies' hunts here in just a moment. But we're going to go to the phones and talk to our good friend, Wayne Carlton. And uh, Wayne's been kind enough to be on our show several times. So, Wayne, thanks for being with us, sir. My pleasure. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, I tell you, we we took uh, several of your calls and um, uh, our, the decoy. Uh, I think y'all refer to her as Ella. Is yes, that right Ella. Now? Ella and that is uh, her name. I'm telling you, that thing just never ceases to amaze me. And uh, a lot of the hunters there from different states were there uh, hunting with us and. Boy, I think you're going to see some a few sales on that here this next week because a lot of people really like that. The main thing to remember. The main thing to remember in rifle season is to put orange on. Yeah, no kidding, absolutely. Wayne added that. So you guys did use it on your hunts there, and yes, and yes, did, I took it out several times. Okay, yes. and they did come into mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah, very good. We had one hunter in archery, and he had Ella, and uh, he was the only one in our group that got one. The bull came in and was heading straight for her, so our archer, our archer was able to shoot without him the bull looking at him. Wow. Well, Wayne, we want to talk about calling because, you know, I've been doing a lot of shows here with uh, Lisa and Donnell for a long, long time, and they kind of have their strategy on calling, and we always like to get things that you learn each year and um, about calling. And so, you know, there were several times there were some bulls bugling uh, for us there. Um, not a lot, but there were several bugles, David. And, right, uh, definitely. Yeah, and so... Um, give us some strategy, and then we'll talk about some morning hunts first and what you do when you first go out, as well as uh, evening hunts. But let's start out with morning hunts for elk this time of year. This, this time of year, uh, of course, they've, they've heard all, all the calls that archery season had to offer. So uh, if you call too much of, of any kind of sound uh, after they've been chased a little bit, then it's, it's even that much harder to call them in. Uh, but typically, what I would do, I would do a nice loud cow call. Um, I'd do a nice loud cow call. Mm -hmm. Get away from that. And I wouldn't do it continuously. I would just do two or three. Right. And I would stop and listen in between each one. Uh, so it, it takes, I'm leading up, it takes more patience. And uh, as you call, uh, you may not hear a bugle or anything. You may just see an animal walking to you. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's uh, something you gotta you gotta use your call to try to create interest, but you don't know the interest is coming until it gets there. I would agree with you so, on that, Wayne. Um, a couple of years ago, Donnell and I did just that in second rifle season. We um, got somewhere at first light with one of our friends that was hunting with us, and we cow called only. And we kept cow calling, you know, just kind of intermittently. And we just sat and waited and waited because we kind of had a, a vantage point. And sure enough, um, just kind of just waiting and being patient, this bull, it was actually a six-point bull, walks out of the dark timber into this park looking right over at us. And our friend, um, he couldn't quite see him because he was kind of on the edge of the park. But once we kind of got him in the right direction and the bull kind of kept still interest because he was a ways, um, he shot him at like, I guess it was about 380 yards or something. But it was a nice 
high six point and we would have probably never seen him he was already in the dark timber but we had called and he came out we actually just did an estrus call yeah and i shot him with my air gun about 100 times before yeah. the hunter saw him and i actually had a tag too <laughs> and that's truly lisa had a tag and she was a gentle woman she let him take that shot yeah so. i had him in my crosshairs for probably over a minute and a half a six point bull and um i kept saying and i finally got off of my rifle and grabbed him and moved him completely to the right because he could not see him and he actually moved back to the left and i moved him yeah. back to the right <laughs> so he can uh yeah but anyway that's how we got him to come out was um estrus and cow call so i would totally concur with you right so wayne how do you well, know my, uh, go ahead yeah. no go ahead sir uh i think my best story i was uh, i was helping uh, the elk foundation do a tv show up in wyoming and the guy, we had about two hours till dark. He said, well, let's just sit up there on this snowy hillside. And I said, you don't mind if I call it, do you? And he just kind of chuckled and said, sure, go ahead. So I started calling. And it wasn't 15 minutes. We are in elevated position. And we saw an elk come out of the timber, like you're talking about, coming out of the timber. And it came out of the timber and started looking around. And it looked like some kind of little elk that you'd put on your dashboard or your truck. Just that small statue, <laughs> such a long distance. When we got through calling that elk, the guy said it wouldn't work. Uh, that elk was uh, 35 yards, a nice five or six bull. And had we not called, we would have never seen. Right. How do you know about the different, you know, aggressiveness of, you know, let's say for a bugle? Uh, sometimes you hear people say, hey, I want, they want to sound like a small bull or, you know, they want to sound like they're ready to fight. I mean, how do you... Do you just try to mimic the sound of what the elk are doing? Uh, well, if they're doing something, uh, I would certainly try to mimic the, the, not only what they're doing, but the volume of what they're doing. And I would try to fit right in like singing with a choir at church. I don't I want to be part of it and not something on the outside. So uh, uh, if you can hear what they're, what they're saying, if they're saying anything, mm -hmm. but this, this time of year, uh, they'll they'll be with some. Actually, we just came off on last last week, I think. In New Mexico. Uh, yeah, they were viewing down there the last day and a half. Thanks to uh, Danelle, she she figured out uh, where we were at, where the elk was at, and all I had to do was toot my horn. Here they come run. <laughs> and does he toot it well? <laughs> I'm a tutor. <laughs> well, and, they're, and they're bugling this time of year that I find is, because um, when I've seen them, I've literally seen them at first light. Um, they're not necessarily bugling for um, fighting slash mating anymore. They're bugling because they're, a lot of times the bulls are still in somewhat of a herd, and that's how they get their cows. That's what they, how they talk them back in to let, like, hey, let's go. It's time to get in the trees. And so I've seen that um, numerous times that they just bugle and the cows stop what they're doing and there they go. So it's their communication. It's not necessarily to do what they were doing a month ago. Yeah. I think what was interesting on this New Mexico hunt, that I drew my first out-of-state tag, thanks to Lisa. She encouraged me to, to start applying in other states, and that gives us a chance to, to maybe get a bigger bull or just see some different country. But I drew my first New Mexico tag, and I got down there, and they were in a drought. Um, the, I talked to the local officers, other um, hunters there, and they were just like, it's just not going to happen this year. Now, I did have a shot the last day. It didn't work out to my favor. But um, we did get in there, and it was funny because some of the hunters were like, well, the elk here don't talk. And I'm like, 
I just, and, and, and Wayne and I laughed about that because we both are callers. Lisa's a caller. Uh, but it's funny the people that have their, their take on things. But they're like, the elk don't talk here. And it just, it wasn't true. Um, we did get into and finally get into a rhythm those last two days. It just didn't work out for me to have a nice clear shot. But we did find the elk. And it was funny. Those guys had hunted there 20 years. They shot 17 elk just by knowing some of the places they frequent with water. But this year, the water was all dried up. So it was a challenge. But with, with uh, the calling and Lisa helped me, um, we even found found out about an E-plus program there where some of the private landowners uh, allow you to hunt on their land. So it the combination of the team was amazing. We actually got into the elk, and literally in five days, we figured kind of figured them out in a drought year. Now, I didn't come home with an elk, but I learned a ton. So, again. Me, me too. I learned a ton, too. Yeah. <laughs> this is when we get philosophical and we have nothing to eat for the winter. But <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you know, Wayne, I tell you, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this, but your calls are so distinct that, I mean, you've heard a lot of calls. I mean, yep. all, all of us have absolutely uh, here in the studio and, and man, I don't know what it is, but just whether it's the, the green weenie or what there's the, the, the margarita rip it. Wooden the loud one. mouth, uh, yeah. the wooden one, the wooden one that's got the, um, I'm trying to, I don't know what the name, but anyway, yeah. but it's, it's one of your, his calls that just, just so distinct. So I, I had the first season, my daughter had a tag that ended yesterday, and we were on a ranch down in Albert. But um, I called in this young bull, and all I was using was the margarita, the rip it uh, diaphragm call that Wayne put together. I had that bull almost in our lap. He came up like 20 yards, and he was a young bull, and she could have shot him because you can shoot anything in, in the eastern plains. But um, it was so cute. Every time he started to walk away, I'd just do a light bugle, and he'd flip around, and he'd take two steps towards me, and then I just kept mewing with the diaphragm. But Wayne's calls, honest to God, I used to not be able to do diaphragms. I'd sit there and gag and blah, but that's just about all I use anymore is a diaphragm. I still have the green weenie and some of his custom calls, right. but um, I absolutely love the diaphragm. Yeah. Well, here's what we did, and so I'll, I'll clue you in. Uh, anybody can have a conversation, uh, but it's the one that has the edge on their voice that captures most of the attention. And so, you, like, uh, you know, with me fighting Parkinson's, my voice is much softer than it used to be. So I'm not a good uh, competitive-type speaker. Well, I find that elk, there's a lot of elk making a lot of elk sound. But whenever you can pressure pressure that tone up and you pressure it by more volume of air and more uh, more uh, pressure with your tongue against the latex to make all that work. But we, we tried to design it so that you're not just making a call. This is an elk call. And now, boys and girls, this is one that means business. And that's it. I got chill bumps just saying that. <laughs> um, and, and I'm out here in my in my, my uh, swimsuit sunbathing. <laughs> no, I'm like you <laughs> Well, Wayne, when but you... At any rate, oh, go ahead. At, at, at any rate, it's not what you say, it's how you deliver the conversation. If what? you sound just like everything else in the woods, um, you're probably not going to get as much. But when, whenever you take that pitch, make it just a little more intense, a little more exciting, a little more dramatic, that's what makes them bugle when they didn't plan on it. So let's take a minute, and we're going to run over this segment a little bit, but that's okay. Let's take the decoy. And if you haven't checked this out, um, go to nativebycarlton.com to check this out. And uh, on the website, it is uh, called Butthead. But this is a 3D, um, and David, you saw this decoy for the first time, but it's, it's a beautiful she's, looking. She's beautiful. <laughs> she sure she is. really is. I wish I could eat her, but I can't. <laughs> 
joking about watching whenever you have it, you're carrying it on your back and yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Watch um, for the elk coming up from behind. Yeah, you. there's that strap around the back of the head there, and I just told Dave just slip that over like a <laughs> Halloween mask and make these sounds for me. Um, but it, when a bull starts coming, let's talk about you know how much do you call. I mean, if he's coming, do you quit calling in until he stops? I mean, let's talk about some strategies to using. You the know, decoy. I I know like last year when Wayne and Lisa were calling for me, that bull was coming. So we let him come. We had Ella at the end of, of the trail there. She's butthead. Um, she, he's running, running, running. I did a light mew with the diaphragm, you know, and nothing. And he's still jogging. Now, at this point in the video that we actually have that on huntingdivas.com, but um, he, he, he's still coming into the decoy. Wayne does a, you know, and then he screams. And up, at that, up until that point, I had heard, I'd heard nothing for four minutes. We just kind of went quiet. So I didn't know if he was still coming in. The guys that are at a different vantage point knew that, or the ladies. Um, but and then and then I shot. Actually, before I shot, he kind of flared on me because he saw me. But that's when Wayne did an extreme mew, and he 90 degree up. Now on, in New Mexico, when he we, we I actually came in on a bull. Wayne had done some calling. I walked up on him. I was so close to him. I actually thought it was the decoy. That's a whole other story. But he started to run from me, and Wayne did a huge bugle. And he spun around sideways, but he had a bunch of brush in front of his kill zone. But he was only 40 yards from me. Um, but the calling is huge because people take bad shots or they don't take a shot. Um, and calling allows it. They'll turn around and say, what is that? You know, for me, I don't know, Wayne, Lisa, what do you think? Well, like last year when Donnell, that bull was coming in, she was behind some bushes that we were watching him come. And um, he was going to come so close to Donnell and Wayne, like 15 yards on the trail because he came down like this, you know, game trail. But he came about a thousand vertical feet down. He did. He came, I've never seen a bull come so fast. And he was looking at the decoy and he was licking and he was so mesmerized. I mean, he, that was his girlfriend. He was in love. But because he came so close to these guys and I don't, they didn't realize how close he would be. He flared, like she said. And Wayne said, you're not trying to win a, a contest. And he hit that cow call and was extreme, like, Probably something you don't even necessarily, I mean, it was a cow call, but it was like a yelling cow call kind of thing. Right. And, and I took that information, what he did on Donnell's, because that bull dead stopped at about 30 yards broadside, and that's how she got him. And then when my friend last year um, with rifle season missed the bull the first shot, I, got, I did what Wayne did. I go, what would Wayne do? And I hit my cow call, and I was extreme. And that bull stopped. She shot again, missed him three times. And he didn't go 20 feet because of those cow calls. And then on the fourth shot, she got him. I meant he just wanted to die that day. But seriously, if I had no cow call, did nothing, he probably would have just walked away, ran away, whatever. But sure. he would stop. And it was extreme. It wasn't like your normal. It was getting after it. So, Wayne, uh, you'll be at this year's International Sportsman's Expo, right? That's correct. Well, good. That'll be here in Denver, January 10th through the 13th, and we'll be getting some passes for that, and uh, we'll be giving some of those away on our show. And uh, also stop by. Um, are you on our Hunt Data? Is that what your booth yep. will be there? Yep. Okay, the Hunt Data Maps, and Lisa and Donnell will be there as well. And you can also follow them on Facebook with huntingdivas.com, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. So, Wayne, hey, uh, what do you see the direction of calls going? What do you see in the future for calls everybody's still trying to tweak things uh to just get that edge you talk about they're always trying to uh i'm fortunate i, I had help from upstairs <laughs> when I, especially when i redesigned the calls for the second time around um things just flowed into my brain about how to 
how to make this latest one and uh, uh the rip it, the rip it calls that we're, we've been talking about yeah i love them um what, what i try to do is uh i try to start with a sound and then i try to, to the latex has to fall somewhere when you're blowing this on a diaphragm call so that latex we, we made that little trough with with the that, that is built within the arch of the call itself and we tried to make that so it gave us the utmost volume, ease of blowing, and then more importantly than anything, gave us a pitch. Yeah, sure. I, I think... Now, go ahead. Well, I just, I've put it in more novice hunters who've, who've said to us, I can't use a diaphragm. And even uh, one, a, a guy that runs an archery shop, he said, I have false teeth. I, I just have given up on diaphragms. And you had him calling a few weeks ago with this new diaphragm, with this technology, um, this with the, again, with that metal bridge and allowing the air to flow through it instead of blocking it, it gives you b- better volume. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, people just got to have faith in it, give it a try. A lot, a lot of you folks out there in the audience, um, I'm sure you tried diaphragm calls in the past and maybe you had success, maybe you didn't. But uh, with the new technology that we offer, if you've tried it and didn't work before, you may want to try it again because they yep. have gotten better. Mm-hmm. No, very, I've, very I've seen more people's faces shocked that they've been able to use it. And I'm not, it's not a line, it's real. Right. <laughs> it's a Absolutely. true story. <laughs> well, good. Hey, Wayne, we appreciate it, sir. And uh, you are always welcome on Sportsman of Colorado. And we'll be talking a little bit more before the ISC. So we appreciate it. I look forward to it. Thank you, guys. All right. That's Wayne Carlton. You're listening to Sportsman Colorado. Lisa Thompson with us, Donnell Johnson, good friend of mine, David Fields. We just returned from our hunt. We're going to talk about that when we come back and catch up on what the ladies have been up to for their archery season. We'll be right back. This is Red Merrill for Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is a weapon manufacturer that services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coating, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. For almost 10 years, hunters have relied on Onyx to help navigate public and private land boundaries across the country. Onyx Hunt is the only tool comprised of more than 400 countrywide maps that gives clear private and public land boundaries, trails, hunting-specific data, and more. New map layers are constantly being added by pairing with some of the leading names in conservation and the outdoor industry, like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Boone and Crockett Club, and Eastman's. Whether it's on your smartphone or handheld GPS, make the most of your precious time in the field by navigating with Onyx Hunt. Ladies, I know you're tired of walking into the local gun store and seeing the same old thing. So let me tell you about Rampart Firearms. Just a quarter mile up Highway 67 off of Santa Fe and Sedalia, you will find a great selection of guns, ammo, tactical, and personal defense weapons. And if you or your spouse love to hunt, Rampart Firearms is a great stop for all of your hunting needs. Shotguns, rifles, pistols, anything from predator hunting to your next big game trip. Head to Rampart Firearms at the foot of the Rockies. 
Open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you will only pay a 4% tax on your purchase. RampartFirearms.com, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. Hi, this is Scott Watley. Let me tell you what I love about Stack Optical. They are truly one of the last optician-owned, family-owned optical stores. At Stack Optical, you can be confident you'll receive personal attention. For over 50 years, Alan Stack has shown he really cares about making his customers happy. Stack Optical also has a beautiful new location at 2233 South Monaco Parkway in Denver. Free and easy up-close parking. Stack Optical has an on-site eyeglass production lab. Whether you need office eyewear or a new set of shooting or golf glasses, Stack Optical has the solution with the Stack Sport Pack. Give them a call today and ask for their $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. That's 303-321-1578. Your eyes and vision are one of the most important things in life. I'm confident at Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. That's 303-321-1578, stackoptical.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush, weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Happy trails to you. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Reminder now, you can catch us on Saturdays, 1 to 2 p.m., and then Sundays at 9 a.m. and Sundays at 4 p.m. Uh, we'll re-air that show, so hope you'll catch us one of those three times. Check out our website, sportsmanofcolorado.com as well. Uh, David Fields in studio with us. David's a friend of mine. We just finished our hunt with Brad Probst and Bear Mountain Outfitters, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Also want to talk about hunt data maps, and um, David, we were, I was just kind of showing you the hunt data maps and all they have to offer. Pretty Fascinating. Cool. I don't even know how they got all that data. <laughs> so I, I, I'm curious about that. 27 years. But yeah. So we're going to talk about <laughs> But he was that. counting. I'm not. Um, <laughs> but Dave, let's finish up a little bit on our hunt. And, and Bear Mountain Outfitters, um, again, the first time for you to go on a kind of guided elk hunt like that. So yes. just talk about that a minute. Yeah, the only previous elk experience I had was uh, a self-guided, which if uh, you know much about elk hunting from, especially in an area that you're not familiar with, that's really not the way to do it. Uh, you don't know where the elk are at. You could be, which is probably what I was doing when I was doing the self-guided. I was in an area, and the nearest elk was probably 10 miles away. <laughs> um, so with a guided hunt, if you're not familiar with the area, that that page, at least in my my case, a page uh, paid uh, huge dividends, at, at least at the end of the hunt. Right. It took a while. Like I was saying, it was, you know, trying to keep a grin on my face the whole time, and I think I did, but uh, as I was telling the guys that uh, at the camp, there's that one poster, and it's got a frog that's just been eaten by a bird. I don't know if you guys have seen that. So the frog <laughs> is down the uh, bird's throat, but his hands are still out, and he's still choking the bird, So that, and the caption is, never never give up. So it took us until the fifth, uh, fifth day on a five-day hunt in the afternoon, and uh, I finally got... Uh, I got a dream elk in my case. Yeah, very cool. Now, you mentioned you didn't draw New Mexico. So we were talking during the break there, strategies about applying for tags and different things. And now with our recent change uh, with not paying for tags and you just paying the $3, we saw a huge increase in people applying for everything in the world, those that had never applied for different things. So, uh, and I know you guys are heavily involved in that. So help us out there. Well, I'm going to let Donnell talk about the hunt data strategy, but... If you're into elk hunting and that's something you want to do, I highly recommend that you apply for multiple states. 
And um, I don't know if you already do that, but um, start getting some preference points and start getting some bonus points. New Mexico is, a, is, a, is not a, neither one of those. It's all luck. Um, and I say that they give 7%, but you, ha you can have great hunts in Wyoming, Montana, Utah, Arizona, Nevada. And um, I would highly recommend that. Not to mention you can come to Colorado anytime and hunt over the counter until you draw what you want to hear. And then I'm going to let Donnell pass it on how you strategize in Colorado and how we do it through Hunt Data. So with Hunt Data, we have kind of our flagship product, which is called Big Game CD. Um, we're still working on getting that in an app format, but right now it still runs on the Windows platform. But I can literally go in and say, I have zero points. I want to hunt that limited first draw season rifle. Um, and I can see what places I can draw with zero points. Or, or let's say I have seven points, and, and I can statistically stack that up. And once you have that information in a database, it's all public information that Parks and Wildlife have on their website. But we've thrown it into a tool that lets you analyze it, graphs different ways, or compare different seasons to each other. And then once you've picked a season, then you get into the mapping part of our interface, and that's where our digital maps come into play. So they're companion products, but the digital maps then, I pull that up on Google Earth. I can look at land use maps. I can see where the elk are concentrated by time of year. Now this year, we it was tough. It was pretty warm. We had rain late. Um, and so some of those summer ranges, we actually saw some elk down in winter range because some upper springs had dried up. Um, and so the concentrations of the elk, we haven't by species on the, th we have a thumb drive, it's just the format we keep it in. But that allows me to load that on Google Earth. I can see where the elk are by winter, summer range. I can see migration corridors. I can compare that to public land. And then in the, in the corner is a QR code and I just scan it and it goes to my phone. So then when I go in the back country, I have it. I put it in, I put it in airplane mode, um, save my battery. In fact, I tell people, even, don't leave it on, especially in those extended services, whether you have service or not, it'll sit there and drain your battery. But uh, this program was written back in 2011 to run off satellites, not cell towers. And a lot of guys will say, yeah, but my phone doesn't work in the backcountry. But this app works in the backcountry. It works stellar. GPS. Yeah. And a lot of people are familiar with Onyx. They're great marketers. Um, they have a great program. I've found it more challenging in the backcountry for it to work consistently with the caches and stuff. This program, once you've scanned it, it's there for you. It's rock solid. I drop a pin where my vehicle is. I turn on my tracking. They just, up, uh, Venza Maps just upgraded. Uh, they now have a compass format where you can say, go to my car, and it takes the compass just like the Garmin does. Um, so it's an amazing app. Absolutely love it. That app is free. We built content through our thumb drive, and then, so you load it on Google Earth. You can sit there and work in your study and build a strategy, um, load that to your smartphone. I can then take my waypoints in the field that I captured running um, in airplane mode. I can throw that back. I can even it to myself. I can airdrop it to anybody hunting with me or a loved one that if I just want them to know where I'm at, you know, when the weather turns and your loved one wants to know where you're at and come look for you and dig you out. Um, it's just a really handy tool. Um, and we, and that's one of the things that, you know, it was a nice compliment from Wayne, but he said, New Mexico, I, I had, we aren't in New Mexico, but I built us a map or my husband did. And I, we literally found the elk, found the water sources, dropped pins. Um, and we figured out where the elk were in five days. And that's pretty cool. Where, where all is that covered? I, be, I know it covers Colorado. Is it outside of? So we're in Colorado. We're in Utah. We're in Arizona. And um, Wyoming, you, California, Oregon, Washington. Yes, those are our three brand new. And you've got all that data for all that is 
Yeah. Amazing. Pretty cool. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. And, and pr- truly what, what we do is we find public information and put it in a useful tool for you. So we, the, our base source for our maps are USGS, but on those public and private maps, um, it'll show you like the BLM lands, National Forest. Why it'll just be private? We are working on the landowner names. It's not something we initially incorporated for, for various reasons, um, but it is something that Onyx has defined very well and, and the consumer wants. So it is something we are working on in some of our products. So. Now you can find Hunt Data maps in? You want to tell them? Um, Cabela's. Okay. Bass Pro, Sportsman's Warehouse, and a lot of smaller shops in Colorado and stuff, and some bow shops in Arizona. But um, the big stores, you can find our digital software, and some of the stores carry all of our elk line um, and BLM maps, and then, like, the Sportsman's Warehouse only carries the BLM maps. But you can always go to huntdata.com and get anything that we have, anywhere from antelope, bear, turkey, whitetail, pheasant. Tell them about the custom maps. Um, We make custom maps, so if you have, you guys were at Bear Mountain. Mm-hmm. So we could make Bear Mountain a map just of their um, within like a 10 mile radius and their Bear Mountain that lodges right in the middle. So it's seven minute maps. So it's seven and a half minute map. And um, each one of you guys could have had it. And it's very detailed on your phone. And again, it could be on the wall, but we, those are custom maps. And we make oat, uh, goat, sheep and moose maps with all the kills sites of the last 10 to 15 years of everything that's been shot here in Colorado and it tells you exactly where it was shot and because um, you have to check those animals in like my husband just got a goat and he had to check it in they measure it and they ask where you got it they put a GPS in and then they right. mark it so and then you have to if you go into Cabela's Bass Pro you have to go back in the GPS uh, handheld GPS areas generally where those things are going to be found actually we have a display with the printed maps and then on the side of it is our digital maps okay. so it's not in the Garmin area unfortunately it should be. be in the GPS area but it's in the it. Yeah, they have it, a really nice wooden kind of a rack. Okay. Thing it's next to it. Yeah, all yeah, it's the close. Units are there, so it's and very. It, every cool. store is a little different, but it's like a big bookcase with 256 titles in it. So we have 128 uh, land use maps and 128 elk maps. Um, Bass Pros and Sportsmans are the ones that carry absolutely every unit. Cabela's is is tapered down. We're not sure what's going to happen with the new um, consolidation. If, yeah, how that's going to roll. I'm sure they know what's going to Yeah, <laughs> I, I talk to the buyers a lot. So, yeah, that that's interesting to see how that's going to roll out. And like Lisa said, we're brand new in California, Oregon, um, Washington. Washington. So that's not even, that's only on the website right now. So we are in the okay. process of getting in some stores there. So, um, and, and then our, our field maps, um, yeah, our field maps, we have a new product that's called a rugged uh, texture. It's, it's almost like a really thin tablecloth. Yeah, that's really cool. You showed it me that. It is really yeah. cool. Really cool. You can only buy that on the website right now. But All right. Check it out, huntdata.com. And again, Cabela's, Sportsman's Warehouse, Bass Pro. And, uh, and I know he has up. one more question. And it depends where you buy it at, how much it costs. It depends what the store, but on Hunt Data, they are $24.99. $24.95. And then if they buy two, it drops to 19 a piece. Right. But if you buy it at Sportsman's Warehouse, the BLM map, it's a different material. They're nineteen ninety nine. If you buy it at Cabela's and Bass Pro, they're twenty nine ninety nine because they're waterproof. So it just depends where you buy them. Okay, and, and that would be like per state, or that be a, a that's region? a that's a printed map. If you wanted the digital package for the whole statewide, and you get about four thousand maps here in Colorado, that's eighty nine. Okay. So yeah, that's that's just about that's about thirty dollars cheaper than our competitor. But yeah. Sure. So. 
A couple of things. Saw a text from our friend Tiny Thompson. He said to say hello. So we'll all say hello. Hello, Tiny. Tiny. Okay. Tiny. <laughs> Tiny is the he. We put together step up. He had he and Brett and some other uh, men have put together step up, step out. Lisa and I became mentors and helped with that. We're on the board with that nonprofit. He is out in uh, Washington State and having some health challenges, but he has mentored a lot of kids and taught a lot of kids how to handle um, their firearms and right. uh, and also hunting divas talk hunting about divas. that you know we took 12 women and children out um all women we we try to with the me too movement <laughs> we just try to stick women <laughs> to women these days um just to be safe but um yeah we we love 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 to get women in the field and we're working with john kirk this year really excited right. about the program with isc because mm -hmm. he's uh giving us a little bit of a budget to work with um, in fact we met with a new author monday you want to talk about her just 30 seconds. Um, her name is Dawn, and she's a, an emergency room doctor, and she kind of took up hunting when she married her second husband, and fascinating story, just how learning. She was vegan, and just kind of, and not so much she didn't want to eat meat, meat, she just didn't like how it was processed with different steroids or whatever, and so um, she's she's written a book called Yes, I Hunt, and uh, she'll probably be one of our speakers at the Sportsman Show, but um, we're really excited. Um, our theme for the Sportsman Show will be Find Your Wild, and it's going to be kind of geared toward the ladies out there because we're only about 1% or 2% of the population of hunting, and we just want to just um, provide a platform and encourage and empower some ladies to get in the outdoors and, and maybe help them. So. Yeah. Well, John, we were talking uh, a couple of months ago about different groups in Colorado that are really doing good things, you know, and there's a lot of great groups who couldn't get everybody in, but needless to say, he already had the background with you guys and just told him all the things, so I think that's going to be really cool. Yeah. And, and like Lisa said, with Find Your Wild, that can be literally just saying, oh, yeah. hey, I'm going to go in May and I'm going to look for sheds. You sure. know? And we even, with our maps, we have the winter range. The winter range is where you're going to be finding where they're dropping their antlers. So um, it, that's a good place to, if you know, you want to use that for us. So we have people that use our maps for a lot of different things. But 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 shed hunting is, is very, you know, it's natural. They drop their sheds every year. Nobody gets hurt, you know, because a lot of people get emotional. <laughs> Called in a young bull for my daughter two nights ago, and that, that young bull's about ready to jump in our lap and and she could have shot him you know west east of i-25 they don't, there's not an antler limit right and everybody's like why didn't you shoot and she goes it just reminded me of my dog <laughs> he was just so cute like i mean and truly you know i get that i get that not everybody but you know eating meat is is natural and like we met with don it's like it is one of the most healthy ways to oh, eat absolutely. it is so lean we add fat yeah. to it right right people pay big bucks for you know free rain cattle and you can't get much more free rain than a uh Right. You know, an elk that's out in the wild and, or, or a deer that's out in the wild. And that's one of the things for Lisa and I. We eat everything that we've ever shot. So and it feeds our family. It fills our freezer. We're not in excess. And truly, we've had the privilege of helping many. The uh, Crystal, who's the wildlife videographer for Parks and Wildlife, she was pretty much anti-hunting, but she wanted to follow us out in the field. And she is now... Um, shot her first turkey um, because she saw the camaraderie of, of the friendships and how much in conservation that hunters do for wildlife and bring so much uh, vegetation for the wildlife. They manage those herds and, and it's very healthy. And a lot of people just, she said, you guys have done a terrible job of educating the public on conservation. She said, I had such a terrible view of hunters. I just thought you went up and shot the hillside up. And, mm -hmm. and she said, you guys showed me another side. Sure. Well, hopefully we can do that more in our show. Yeah. That's what this is all about. So thank you for being with us. We want to thank our special guest, Wayne Carlton, for being with us today. And the ladies, of course, Lisa Thompson, Donnell Johnson. Check out huntdata.com. David, it's been a fun week.
It sure has. Congrats on your bull. Congratulations, Congratulations. on a great Colorado bull. And he'll bowl. be good eating. I'm looking forward to that. Is it the processor now? Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yours is at the processor. <laughs> Mine's still, look, mine, Yours is still, mine's on the still hook. looking around because I was greedy. You got plenty of time. <laughs> Hope everyone has a great day again. Catch us on Saturdays 1 to 2, Sundays 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. here for Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado Radio. Hope you have a great second rifle season. Good luck and be safe. We'll talk to you next week. Opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.